I sure hope you got Tony Pollard on Prediction Strike. The platform that treats players like stocks and promo code Underworld gets you a free player share with a $20 deposit. The most popular show on our network is Aaron Stewart's Prediction Strike Discord show where he was pounding the table for half the show. Go load up on Tony Pollard's stock and boom! All-purpose stud. Top five back in the NFL. An unstoppable force on an unstoppable team. Pollard equals sex. Victory is ours. It's still going? Is the day to party over? Or are my headphones on? <laughs> that wasn't choreographed at all. I have no idea what just happened. It was fun though. <laughs> yeah, we are uh we're having fun. It was a 30-plus point performance from a Tony Pollard. I mean, it was throw everything at it. Like, Tony Pollard, duck sound. Yeah, Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard, uh, Tony Pollard, uh, uh, harmonica. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, Tony Pollard, here we go, siren. Yes! Tony Pollard, you're the best. It's not perfect. None of this is, none of this is perfect. We're just... Live dance party for Tony Pollard. I just, I, I couldn't wait. Normally we wait about 10 minutes to, to go on. I said, one o'clock, we're starting this thing. Or 101, I was like, we're on. It's happening. And this, this, uh, this headband is uh, constricting my blood flow, as you can see. But uh, it was cool. It was a cool feeling to talk about a player. How about them Cowboys? For that long? Years? insisting no this guy's a top three running back in the league if he just had an opportunity then he gets the opportunity and he's a top three running back in the league and then in in true in true astounding podfather fashion i found a way to be wrong about tony pollard in that i said i tony Pollard's going to be so good i have him ranked ahead of uh, christian mccaffrey this week and that would that would be the only way to frame you know a tony pollard breakout wrongly which would say, hey, he's gonna he's gonna outscore Christian McCaffrey this week. He couldn't. Christian McCaffrey did the. I mean, I found a way to be wrong. the The Podfather curse, even even somehow, can it can apply to a Tony Pollard breakout. And it's great to be. You just can't be all the way right. You got to say something stupid, something too brazen, something crazy, and it looked fine. Like that, we, we, we ran, I think we ran with the quote, like the quote went up on social media. I have Tony Pollard ahead of Christian McCaffrey this week. Oh, damn. <laughs> How can you find a way to, 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 to in any way extinguish the enthusiasm or, or in so, not be 100% right? Oh, I found a way. Let me, I can figure out. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't. Uh, the NFL has a funny way, has a funny way of humbling you, right? Yeah, I I look like a guy that's been humbled, right? Don't I look like a, I look? I feel humbled, right? I look humbled. Don't I look humbled to you? Yeah, he's that good. And like Ezekiel Elliott could be doing all of this. They want to give Ezekiel Elliott all of those touches, but he's not Pollard. He's not that smooth in the passing game, and he's not that explosive, so he can't do that. See, he can't. He can't. They've been trying to get him to do that for years, and he can't anymore. He had a few games like that early in his career. He can't do it anymore. So why are they continuing? To, I don't know. Hopefully, Jerry, after the game, was still, uh, this is the, this is a, we, we, we ride or die. He didn't say ride or die, but he said we live or die with, with, with Ezekiel Elliott, right? I wish Jerry had said ride or die. Right. Oh, man. Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, 
just going to come right back. I think he's going to come back to a lesser role. I think I don't believe anything Jerry says. He is a pathological liar. He's very good at it. He's one of the better liars out there. I mean, all these NFL owners are pathological liars, and yet he is the owner the other owners look to to deliver the big lie. That's how that's how good at lying. That's probably his best skill. I mean, is there anything that Jerry Jones is better at than lying? In terms of rankings, stadium building, he's got to be up there in stadium building. He's going to be up there with like the, the Romans and the Coliseum. Like there's only very few stadiums with that kind of grandeur ever been built in the history of the world. So he's up there with stadium building and lying. Those are his, <laughs> trading oil. I, I don't think he's he's probably not even top five. Right. Sexual profession. Oh man, he's he's his second act. Wow, Jerry Jones, incredible second. No, third act because he was also an Arkansas football player. So he was a football player turned oil trader. But his third act, third act for Jerry Jones, been an exceptional third act. Uh, another takeaway: I don't have a lot of notes. Typically, I go into the show with lots of notes, and I you know I take away. I can list all the takeaways, and I can tell you how I'm going to break down these takeaways. And you know I've been studying everything so closely. I I don't have a lot of this is uh. This is the dance party show. I have some notes uh, on one game, right? I have a clip, a video clip from one game, from the Dolphins game. I have an incredible, I have an incredible sideline level, field level view of a Jalen Waddle touchdown. I'm going to show you. That's going to be great. That's going to be great. Stay tuned for that. Oh yeah, yeah. We've been, uh, I've been teaching some of the other hosts. You know, Maddie Kawoom and, and Jack Cavanaugh, how to use the bumpers, right? So we're trying to get more professional. I think a Jack has a new, a new, uh, a whole new overlay for his show, a logo for the bottom. It makes us, it's going to elevate the, the look of his show. So we're just incrementally, you know, show by show, a little bit more professional. As you can tell, can't you tell that we're getting, can't, isn't it obvious we're getting more professional? Isn't it obvious? Isn't it? I mean, it's so clear. It's <laughs> duh. Uh, Dak Prescott's going to be awesome. So just just know that was a Pollard week. Uh, they were up uh, 28-17, 14-0 in the first quarter. It's gonna ha- you're going to see big, hairy Dak, Poll- Dak, Pre- Dak Pollard weeks. Yes, I can't wait for Dak Pollard. Because we didn't, we, we, Dak scored the rushing touchdown, so he got there. Dak gave you basically what uh, Kirk Cousins gave you this week, which was all considerable: two hundred and fifty yards, two touchdowns, and a rushing score. That's great, right? He's gonna he's gonna have big, hairy, you know, sort of millionaire maker winning weeks. I can't wait to play Dak more in DFS moving forward. I'm excited. I'm excited. When they shut the run down, they go up against a team that's that's. A little stouter against the run. Oh, it's going to be Dak. And the the key is how you know he's back is the five rush attempts for 34 yards in the touchdown. This is this is vintage Dak. And by vintage Dak, I mean Dak from like two years ago, three years ago. So late teens Dak right here. This is exciting. This is great for Schultz. Schultz has actually never had prime Dak. So now would be the time to trade for Schultz. Like, oh, one good game. No, Schultz is... Schultz has been productive both weeks since he got back. He, he stepped right back into that range. He's the number two receiver. He's been out-targeting and out-producing Michael Gallup every week. He's the number two in what's going to be a consistently prolific offense. I don't know, 49 points? Yeah. that's a, The Chicago Bears are supposed to drag these games into the mud. This, this, this total wasn't over 50. This was a mid-range total. And then Dak happened, and Tony Pollard happened. You know, he was 21 for 27, so he's super efficient as a thrower and with the rushing. And then Justin Fields, I hope you didn't draft. If you had dropped Justin Fields, right, this is the bummer. If you don't know when to hold on to a streaming quarterback, it's a bummer. You're like, oh, man, I got I to gotta drop Fields. I want to play uh, Daniel Jones. See, that would have been a mistake. A lot of people play Daniel Jones in DFS. We talked about this on the, the Roto-Grinders show. I always reference the Roto-Grinders show because it's really with a lot of receipts on the Roto-Grinders show. It's my only late-week show. All my shows, you'll know, I, I record on Mondays and Tuesdays. The Friday Roto-Grinders show is the only show where I know when guys are going to be actually playing or not. Whereas before that, I, have, I really have no idea. I thought Chuba Hubbard would be playing, right? I heard it was a low ankle sprain. He was fine. He could have got back in the game, and then he was out. So another takeaway is that just a reminder 
that the team prefers Hubbard. He started last week, right? Week seven, Chuba Hubbard started. When he comes back, it's a young team that is rebuilding, and they're going to want to give Chuba Hubbard a long look. And so whatever yards you're seeing get rolled up from Dante Foreman, good for him, great. Good for his Achilles, by the way. I mean, we'll talk about an Achilles' success story. It could be that if you have James Robinson or Cam Akers in Dynasty, they're not dead yet. Why aren't they dead yet? Yes, they're averaging three yards a carry, and they're near the league bottom in yards created. Okay. But Dante Foreman, it took him three years, but he finally did restore the explosiveness to his lower body. He had a ruptured Achilles. So anyone that says that no one's come back successfully from a ruptured Achilles, officially, we could we could point to now, officially, across multiple seasons, Dante Foreman. So good for... That's a great thing. I mean, this is big. This is big. That's a big moment. The Achilles narrative officially died this week with uh, Dante Foreman. That's a takeaway. That's a huge takeaway. Uh, Nikhil Harry, back from the dead? Nikhil Harry with... Uh, <laughs> Nikhil Harry had 10 plus fantasy points. When was has that has that ever happened? Nikhil Harry with 10 we should look at his game logs. We should pull that up. Didn't you see this is see now you see what's happening? You see typically if I wasn't just so locked into a, a dance party, I would have that research in front of me. Typically I would have done that research. I would be able to tell you, okay, in 2020, Nikhil Harry had 11 fantasy points in week four, and he actually had his best game ever week two, 2020 against Seattle. He had 15 fantasy points. Normally, I would have that information in front of me. This is the fourth time. This is shocking to me. And this this comes as a huge surprise. The fourth time Nikhil Harry's gone over 10 fantasy points. That's that's a lot more than I thought. That's like twice as bad. I would have thought two times. Like this time plus this other time. In 2020, no, it's double that. Good for him, but really good for Justin Fields. Justin Fields is not a streamer. He throws for 150 yards, but two of those were touchdowns. No picks again, and the 60 yards and the rushing touchdown. So he's putting up 12 points on the ground, and he's putting up 12 points in the air. That's 24 fantasy points. So we lost Trey Lance, and those of us, like myself, that lost Trey Lance, we pivoted to... Goff, we pivoted to Justin Fields. And then one of my teams, I pivoted all the way to uh, Kenny Pickett. Uh, that, Fields was not available in that, in that league. I don't know. I, I, Pickett is going to have some of these weeks too. Pickett is trusted to throw the ball 60 times if needed, to run the ball if needed, and they, they don't have a running game and they can't stop anybody. So Pickett is going to have weeks. Just I I know it was dis- discouraging if you have Pickett, but this Philadelphia Eagles defense is healthy. They are stacked on both sides of the football. On on defense, it's every unit, right? You've got Pro Bowlers at cornerback. You've got a, a, a ferocious front seven. You can't win. You can't win against the Eagles. I don't know how anyone has has beat them, right? Well, no one has. <laughs> It's like, I don't remember anyone beating them this year. Oh, shit, they're undefeated. <laughs> Has anyone beat them? No, of course no one's beat them. No one can beat this team. The Bills can beat them. That's, that, that we know that. The Bills can beat them, and there's no one in the NFC that can even come close. That's another takeaway. The, the, the Eagles are going to cruise into the Super Bowl. I think they're going to cruise into the Super Bowl like the Buffalo Bills used to cruise into the Super Bowl. It, back in the early 90s, kids, let's sit, let me... Take a sheet, my fellow children. Back in my day, there was a team called the Buffalo Bills, and they were in the Super Bowl every year. And they, they got there by blowing out everybody. They would blow out the Steelers and blow out the Jaguars, and then they themselves would get blown out. That was, that was the funny narrative with the Bills. They always cruised into the Super Bowl, and they felt like this was the year. Every year, felt like the year. Like, oh, man, they're... They destroyed the Oilers this year. It's on, right? Uh, no, no. Then they got beat. And then, then eventually there was close games, a close game against the Giants. Then they slowly started getting Washington less competitive. And then when they then they had a couple Super Bowls there against the Cowboys, and, and those were uh, laughable. It got to the point where 
Thurman Thomas was forgetting his helmet. He literally showed up to the game without his helmet. He forgot it. Like, that's how tilted they were. That's You have to be pretty tilted at that point. The other team has to be really in your head to show up without a helmet if you're a football player. It's the thing that happened. Just, kids! <laughs> there was a running back named Thurman Thomas. He forgot his helmet. Eagles' bills are going to be very different. Where I think the Eagles will cruise into the Super Bowl like the 90s bills. And then they're going to face the current bills who are way better than the 90s bills ever were. Even though the 90s bills were very good. But your football has evolved. And now everybody's way better. Just like LeBron is way better than Oscar Robertson. Right? Like similar skill sets. But this version of that guy in this era would just completely and utterly dominate. We don't need to have this conversation. We're not having this conversation. We're not having cross-era conversation. We're not doing it. We're not doing The last conversation, I can't believe this. I sat down to celebrate with a Tony Pollard dance party, and now we're doing LeBron versus Jordan. I can't, no, no. It's interesting. No, no, no. Yeah, Kenny Pickett, another 38 pass attempts and seven rush attempts. Just know, just know what's happening for Pickett. He's eventually, and by eventually I mean every game after this game, going to face easier defenses than this marauding group of smothering defenders that he had to face in Philadelphia. Just brutal. I thought maybe there was a chance in garbage time he could put up some touchdowns. No, no, not even, not even. Jalen Warren uh, outproducing Najee Harris on fewer carries, at least on the ground. That was cool. Harris had more total fantasy points because he had more catches. I think Harris actually had one more fantasy point, which is, yeah, 11 to 10 fantasy points, which is just embarrassing that that's what it comes down to. Deontay Johnson was the uh, target leader once again, and so that's interesting to know that he was easily the target leader. Uh, The next wide receiver on the list was Chase Claypool, so he had 50% more targets than even Chase Claypool. And I think there's still time for Chase Claypool. Look at my, yes, look at my watch. There's still time for Chase Claypool to get to get traded. Wherever he goes, the tight end is uh, in jeopardy, right? So one of, uh, one of my coldest, wrongest takes, according to Matthew Friedman, where I had him on the show, Claypool had just had a four-touchdown game. And earlier that year, I claimed that Claypool would be better off switching to tight end. And I was laughed at. I was mocked, ridiculed. And now you look up and you're like, I don't know. Claypool with his 45 yards on six targets probably be better off at move tight end, which is exactly what I said after watching him at the Senior Bowl. I'm not a scout, though. You know, I'm just a lowly fantasy analyst. What do I know? Uh, what do I, I know a lot, apparently. Apparently, I know, uh, I know so much that Eric Beimfor from Roto-Grinders DM'd me on Sunday and said, we need to start charging admission for this StackFest show that we do. I mean, talk about giving the answers to the test. Oh, my God. I mean, Jacob was insistent. Jacob was like, it's Hertz, Brown, Hertz, Goddard. Go back to it. it you talk about uh, players that can beat you. Well, Hertz, Brown against the Steelers at home? Yeah. That's a combination. That's a stack that can beat you. You want to make sure those stacks are in your portfolio. We insisted. Eric was like, I'm not sure, guys. Is this really the week? Is you, the, 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 the totals relatively low? You know, the, and then I was like, well, it, there are runback options. Fryermuth is a runback option. Right now, Pickens, unfortunately, I mean, it's, it's great to look at this game and just talk about everybody and like, hey, you know, great, great signs for everyone. What was the great sign for Pickens again? Uh, well, Claypool's about to get traded. Don't worry about Pickens. Don't worry. Don't worry. See, Pickens does not play the modern slot flanker position that is commanding all this volume in today's NFL. It's just, I, it's an inconvenient truth, okay? It's, it's not a fact that anyone wants to hear, but he's not a Diggs Cup A.J. Brown-style player. Just just no. He's an outside clasher, big-time playmaker. He's more than you know a Mike Williams-style player. He's like Mike Williams with speed. 
right? Mike Williams with better body control. Mike Williams with better hands. Mike Williams with better speed. He's a bigger, better version of Mike Williams in every way, but he's not any kind of like super slot flanker. Like that's not what George Pickens is. And so I think in when you're going up against certain teams, especially teams with strong cornerbacks, Pickens can get erased. And so when you're going up against a, a you know a Bradbury and company, Slay, Bradbury, and company, don't forget about the and company. Always add the and company. If you can't remember all the corners, it's okay. I don't have all the corners committed to memory. You might think I do. I don't. When I do list them all, it's because I haven't pulled up on player profile. We have this the, the depth charts right there with the headshots. So I'm just like boom, boom, boom. But you know, so you, you it's easy. It's an easy, easy cover up. So Stephen A does this all the time, but he does it where uh, he just will say the coach's name and then just put and company for all the players, like right, like a, some college team. He'll be like, uh, oh yeah, uh, the Kentucky Wildcats, yeah, with the uh, you know. Uh, John Calipari and company, right? It's like, okay, that's not good enough. I'm at least going to give you Slay, Bradbury, and company. So if I'm going to do the end company, it's because these guys are not starters. I think it's fair. Well, let me know in the chat. Is it fair to go and company with the, just the, the number three through five cornerbacks? I think that's fair. I think it's fair. And Najee Harris, is he is on the... Josh Jacobs trajectory. So you'll notice on the dynasty rankings that Josh Jacobs and Najee Harris are a similar age because Jacobs came out early and Harris played like seven years at Alabama. So even though one guy has a lot more experience in the NFL, two extra years, they're the same age, same player. Okay. Same age, same player, similar uh, slots on the dynasty rankings. So Josh Jacobs has gone through these kinds of droughts on a team that was incompetent. And then they, patched together an offensive line in Las Vegas, and then he has these weeks against soft secondaries. But then notice this week, though. No Josh Jacobs. This is what happens when you don't catch a lot of passes out of the backfield, where you're not a strong route runner, and you have the full complement of receivers at your disposal when Adams is out there and Renfro's out there. Then, you know, there's going to be just less work for Jacobs. But also note that Renfro, you know, he's very droppable. And was never good. Okay, he he got volume on a team that had nobody. We only now know. See, this is where anyone that was uh, you know, bidding up Renfro at any point in time in the last year is excused. Now, we never pushed him up on the dynasty rankings. You always noted that he was like outside the top 30, even though he was young. It's like, where is Renfro? He's destroying. And we're like, what? Context. Okay, like, let's... Let's see him command some targets in the face of any kind of target competition. Okay, otherwise, he's in that, you know, one-dimensional slot receiver zone of the rankings. He's right there with Jacoby Myers, right? And then Jacoby Myers starts to actually command targets. I'm like, oh, wow. But at the time, you have to understand this. The complaint was we had Myers too high and Renfro too low. So you need to understand this. People, you don't, you not, you're not in my chair. You never, you didn't see the Reddit posts and the comments on our dynasty rankings. That's like hey, Myers next to Renfro. That doesn't make any sense. Now it's like, actually, uh, you're right. We should have had Myers a lot higher than Renfro. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about, man? He's very droppable. It just makes sense. If you're going to command all your targets, and, and the only other option is Darren Waller, a tight end, and Brian Edwards, and then now we know, see, only now, see, that person who was complaining, I'm not even that mad at that person because even I thought there's a little more competition for targets last year for Hunter Renfro than there actually were because I, I, I think I still think that Brian Edwards is better than the NFL thinks Brian Edwards is. So that was part of it. It was like, well, he was commanding more targets than Brian Edwards, so it can't be that bad, right? I'm not going to have him... You know, <laughs> I'm not gonna have him down with uh, you know, Miko Hardman and you know the players we know to be bad for sure, regardless of the situation. Like, hey, why are you guys at Miko Hardman higher? Uh, context, right? He's only even doing anything with manufactured touches in the a particular offense. It's it's a moment in time player. He is a moment in time player. 
Renfro is a moment-in-time player. He was in the league for years before that, getting opportunities and doing nothing. So not surprising whatsoever. And we, we need to have, speaking of Falcons wide receivers, we do need to have a hard conversation about Drake London. So uh, I also mentioned on the Stackfest show that you don't need to force Kyle Pitts, right? Every week it's like, should we play Kyle Pitts? I'm like, just wait. Just wait. Just wait. When he does actually produce a fantasy-relevant week, we can reassess, right? He didn't kill you, right? He, he wasn't the reason you you didn't make money in DFS this week. Right? He probably didn't win someone their matchup against you. So you didn't lose anything by just waiting and seeing and seeing what Kyle Pitts is before you start to decide, okay, now we've at least seen something, some real reason to play him in the future. Okay, now we have that. It's good. Fine. It's good. This is exactly the type of week I was expecting to get from Kyle Pitts at some point, which would be the signal that you could start playing him in DFS. This was the week. Good. Great. We won. Right? Sometimes you win when you don't even play a guy. It's like, hey, this is this this logic made a lot of sense. But AJ Brown, AJ Brown could rip your face off. AJ Brown was the furthest thing from a fade, but there were so many options. Oh, but oh, Hopkins, and, and what about Jefferson? And, and I wanted to play Tyreek Hill, and I don't, I couldn't, just couldn't figure out a way to play AJ Brown. Oh, oh, really, really? That home game against the Steelers? You don't want to play him against that game? It's like. If you're not going to play him this week, don't ever play him. Same thing like like with redraft with DJ Moore. You're not going to play DJ Moore against the Falcons. And of course, even though his quarterback is PJ Walker, it didn't matter because the Falcons secondary is injury riddled. They're decimated. So this was the week. You play DJ Moore in DFS. Play him in, in whatever seasonal leagues you have him. Get him in the line. Otherwise, trade him, drop him, don't play him. Right? If you have so many other great options, then fine. Just go drop him and pick up a running back. I don't care. But if you're not playing him this week, DJ, it's even a question. Ridiculous. Of course you're playing DJ Moore. In that Raiders-Saints game, though, Mac Hollins. See, Mac Hollins better than Hunter Renfro. Mac Hollins offers more than Hunter Renfro. And he's another guy that's uh, in DFS. You know, He's in that 4K zone. Right, There's a bunch of guys in that 4K zone. I liked Marquise Goodwin. If DK Metcalf isn't playing. So we do a show on Friday, assuming DK Metcalf's not going to play, and then he does play. Well, that's when people have to turn their brain on and be like, okay, well, those uh, Goodwin Barkley skinny stacks are dead. Yes, of course. No, you're not playing Goodwin if he's the number three wide receiver. I mean, clearly. So Tyreek Hill. 12 catches, 188 yards, but didn't get you the touchdown. So, But the nice thing is the DK bonus, he was great. And in our newsletter, we talked about our favorite stacks. We have the stacks of the week, and the two quarterbacks we really wanted to play this week were Kirk Cousins and Tua for the same reason. Same reason that the, the game conditions were absolutely electric. And one of the reasons why I think that Eric was like, we need to charge money for this show is because a lot of people wanted to play Geno and Daniel Jones this week. And we were like, no, no, no. Get a, at, at most, at most a skinny stack, an inexpensive skinny stack would like Goodwin. At most. Why? Because there's not going to be a lot, enough points scored in this game. There were 40 points scored. That's around what the total was. The total was a little bit more than that. It was like 44 point total. And Why? Why? Oh, Daniel Jones. Think he's going to run for 100 yards every week? How often does Daniel Jones run for 100 yards? <laughs> Daniel Jones is Daniel. That's a takeaway. Daniel Jones is Daniel Jones, and he doesn't have any receivers. At least P.J. Walker has D.J. Moore. Wandale Robinson, theoretically, theoretically is a guy that's going to have a big week. And I'm going to keep going back to him in DFS because I love his skill set as, like, Good Tavon Austin. What we wanted Tavon Austin to be, I think that's what we're going to get from Wandale Robinson. That's that's a compliment. I think that he's going to give us yards after the catch. He's going to have a, a, some long touchdowns. He's going to get there on a, a you know a twenty yard touchdown on a reverse. It's he's he's an exciting playmaker. All the reasons you were getting excited to draft Kadarius Tony like round seven, which was a total reach, absolutely ridiculous ADP. Well, that's what you 
are likely going to get from Wandale Robinson. So permission to continue to be excited about Wandale Robinson, and he did nothing. So now he's going to be easier to acquire in Dynasty, easier to acquire in seasonal leagues, probably be dropped in places. 3.5 fantasy points. He's going to be dropped. So awesome guy to pick up this week after he's dropped. And Noah Fant, two for 19, right? I like Noah Fant. I think Noah Fant's exciting. But we were also laughing, laughing on this Stackfest show about Noah Fant chalk week. And I know DK Metcalf, once he once DK Metcalf was was uh, active, then the Fant ceased becoming the chalk. I get it. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I, I know. I know. I know. But still. But still. Come on. Come on. That was it. Okay. What about Ellinger? Why the hell was Ellinger a popular play this week in DFS? What was that about? That was ridiculous. What did he give you? Right? This is not, not a high enough ceiling. Like, all, you look back, oh, man, all these lines. Yeah, I know. Daniel Jones, those lineups are dead. All the Ellinger lineups. Oh, I saved the salary. Oh, dead, dead, dead. Why are they dead? Because you needed to play Tua. You needed to play guys with big, hairy upside this week in games that are going to shoot out. We knew Cardinals-Vikings going to shoot out. We knew Lions-Dolphins going to shoot out. So there's a lot of fantasy points that can be had there. And I know, like, oh, well, no, maybe Ellinger's a better cash play. No! No, you also want upside in cash. That's another takeaway. People forget. It's not just about an equation to get the, the most median projected points in your lineup in cash. You actually want upside in cash. Sometimes having that guy that, that, that gives you the big, hairy spike week, he's the reason. So often he's the reason. Go back and look at those, the, those, those cash lineups that made the pay line. Right, go see how many. Uh, basically, there was a spike week responsible for that. Right now, the one game that we didn't know was going to shoot out was uh, Panthers Falcons, which is exciting. I mean, that's cool, right? I mean, that's that's a game that you know we weren't so bullish on, and yet, really, who 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 was responsible for for the for the spike week? It was just Dante Foreman. That's what's interesting, and that's why it's like, oh, you weren't game stacking. The uh, Cowboys and Bears. It's like, yeah, because there's no one on the Bears side you want to stack with. There's nothing. There's no. It's a, it's a, it's a desert, right? It's it's just barren wasteland. So you can't get that aggressive with your Cowboy stacks because you don't have the runbacks on the other side, right? And then what happens? Oh, the guy you wanted in that game was actually Pollard with his three touchdowns. Just the guy you wanted in this game. I mean, think about how many points were scored. There was more than. 70 points scored, and really the only one that was helping you other than DJ Moore in DFS was Dante Foreman, and no one was playing P.J. Walker stacks. Like, it wasn't P.J. Walker. That was, if you wanted to go super cheap quarterback, it was actually P.J. Walker, not Sam Ellinger. But, okay, nobody knew that. Nobody knew that. What I do know is a Terrace Marshall nine targets. Terrace Marshall nine targets is a big deal, and we... Uh, emphasize picking up Terrace Marshall. I have him both the the Big Dog Bash, the Sleeper Bowl, and I think the Scott Fish Bowl. I'm pretty sure I'd picked him up everywhere uh, after we uh, sent out our fab guidance. He is the locked-in number two. We know, we knew, it was established. It's not, it's not LaVisca Chenault. Like, that's the beauty of having the snap data and the route participation data and why we have the route participation rate next to the routes run in the game log. So you can see and compare, oh, here's Marshall, here's Chenault. Marshall's clearly the number two, the number two receiver, the guy that's the starter in two receiver sets, and nine targets. He's super explosive. He has a great 40 time, speed score, burst score, and he was productive at LSU. He was dominant at LSU in his final year. It was a truncated year but he played the year after chase basically sat out the year and jefferson had gone to the nfl and marshall was the number one at lsu i don't know what the coaches had against him but those coaches are gone and now he's in and it was just shocking it was shocking i was like i can't believe i'm the only one truthering for terrace marshall everyone's like eh, eh. what about terrace marshall i mean what am i how how do I walk onto this bus and it's empty? I'm shocked. 
I'm shocked. This is why I love this job. I love this job because I wake up every morning and I'm shocked by something. I don't know what it's going to be that's going to shock me, but something. it's always a fun, pleasant surprise. Like when Eric tells me everyone's playing Ellinger. I'm like, what? Ex excuse me? He's like, yeah, it's, you, it's a long story. But <laughs> and I'm like, I guess. It's, a, it's always news to me on Fridays with these guys people are playing. I'm like, really? This, this is Fant Week all of a sudden, but not Goodwin Week. Okay. All right. Well, I think it's more Goodwin Week than Fant Week. And then whether Metcalf plays or not, uh, Goodwin outproduced him. So eat it. Right. And, and Ellinger. What? <laughs> what? It's just. <laughs> or no one's truthering Terrace Marshall. Everyone's done. It's over. He's, he'll never be good. Right? He had that rookie year where he didn't produce. And so if you don't produce as a rookie, you're doomed. Really? I don't think that's right. I think uh, I can't. No, I don't see. I know. So very happy to see a player with a phenomenal prospect profile get snaps and then produce. I know that it, it wasn't efficient, right? Catch rate was below 50%. But he had close to a nine yards per target, which is efficient. He had a 39-yard catch. That's great. That's great. So I don't want to bury the lead anymore. Okay. Cardinals-Vikings was a, was a really cool game on a lot of levels. We need to talk about these two big, hairy shootouts where we had all the exposure. DeAndre Hopkins was good chalk, right? And so I just want to make sure everybody knows... We will acknowledge the weeks where the good chalk wide receiver hits. It certainly happens. It happened. That's the reason they're chalk is that the moon and the stars are aligning for a hit, right? And Hopkins hit in a big way. Hit into the 13 targets, went off, wasn't the best receiver, right? It wasn't A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown is a more face-melting wide receiver any given week than DeAndre Hopkins because he's more explosive. That's the, that's the reason. That's this is the most what, what Hopkins gave you 12, 159 and a touchdown. That's the max you're going to get from like a clasher. That's like a that's the most a Mike Williams, a DeAndre Hopkins could give you right there. Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, they have another level. They have another level of upside they can give you, which is great. It's cool. You just know what you're getting. And we talked about Rondale Moore that, hey, this is the week to go back to Rondale Moore at the wide receiver position. You don't just look at a one-week sample and be like, oh, they used him in a different way. That means they're going to use him this way every time. So, yeah, we'll never play Rondell Moore again after we saw that one bad week. Wide receivers are hugely volatile. They oscillate back and forth. It's very difficult to command targets as a wide receiver. It's then even more difficult than that to actually secure those targets. And every week, you're subject to the whims of the defensive coordinator. And how they want to scheme you. And then you're also subject to the whims of your offensive coordinator. And how they want to scheme you. And you wonder why they're inconsistent week to week. <laughs> I mean, it's like... And, and, remember Robbie Anderson? Remember how he was a, he was a popular pickup? Robbie Anderson? Remember that? <laughs> we were like, I don't know. Maybe. Now this is weird. And, and, and work with me here, everybody. Maybe he's washed. Maybe, maybe it's okay to let Robbie Anderson prove to you that he's any good, whether you pick him up or not, right? It's safe to wait on Robbie Anderson. And he put up three targets and zero points. Just brilliant. Focus on Rondale Moore. Remember there was a decision, pick up Rondale Moore or Robbie Anderson. I don't know. And I saw Robbie Anderson stack ranked ahead of Rondale Moore. On a lot of services. And uh, disagree. Disagree. Disagree wholeheartedly. Here's Rondale Moore. That's a career game from Rondale Moore. Rondale Moore going over 20 fantasy points. This is what we were hoping for. Because he doesn't necessarily have to catch a long pass. Now, he, he, he gave you that 38-yard reception. But other than that, it was it was a lot of short catches. But that's how he goes 7 for 8. That's why he, he's efficient. Because he can secure. He has strong hands. He can secure those passes and get upfield. And give give you yards after the catch. 23 fantasy points. Bingo. Bingo. What a sick run back. Now, I know it didn't work out. Okay? I know it didn't work out. I just want to explain something. It didn't work out. Cousins stacks with Rondale Moore on the run back. 
did not work out. And by the way, Rondale Moore, not Ertz. It's very rare that you find a reason to play Ertz. Doesn't have the explosiveness, 13 fantasy points. I mean, that's basically what, well, everything you could hope for from Ertz, right? Oh, he gave you the 13 fantasy points. Thank God, right? That was a fine process play. If you were stacking Cousins with Jefferson, Irv Smith, and Rondale Moore, I just want everyone to know you should feel good about that. That was great process. And you may have been uh, under the field on DeAndre Hopkins. And that's also fine. Anytime you have an expensive receiver who is the chalk on the slate, permission to pivot off that guy to some degree or another, to be, at least be underweight on the field on that player because wide receivers are so much subject to the whims of so many opposing forces. The defensive coordinator, the offensive coordinator, the cornerback, the quarterback, all conflicting and sometimes preventing wide receivers in amazing peach situations from actually delivering. When you have a lot of other options in the slate, especially when you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and Justin Jefferson, you have all these other options. If you weren't playing as much Hopkins as the field, that is fine process. And more often than not, you're going to be happy with that if you're underweight on the chalkiest expensive receiver. I'll make sure everybody feels good about that. That's good process, 100%. And I'll, we'll talk about that this week. On the Stackfish, I'm going to bring this up. Because I know Eric is going to be like victory lapping the hell out of that show again. I'm going to bring it up. I'm going to be like, actually, you know, we did mention you could stack without Hopkins. And that didn't pay off. So, you know, there's not 100% hit rate or anything, Eric. And it will, we'll talk it through. We'll talk it through the process. But the Tua stacks, that was the big, you know, Dario hammering it. Hammering the Tua stacks on Monday on the first mover show. And imagine my face. Imagine my face when I hear he's not the most popular quarterback this week. Like, Jacob and I were like, really? Jacob was like, I think it should be Hurts. And I was like, I think it should be Tua, right? And then it's like, okay, all right, cool, guys. Play other people. <laughs> it's fine. It's funny. Goff is not a guy you ever play in DFS, and he gave you the 320 with the one touchdown and the six rushing yards. And was useless. Was useless because there wasn't a good stacking option with him either. Right? It was all running backs scoring all the touchdowns. Right? Cool. Right? But Jalen Waddle, eight for one oh six and two. He and Tyreek Hill had the same exact number of fantasy points. I mean, that's the that's the coolest takeaway of the show is that they both had thirty with vastly different ways of getting there. One guy getting there by being hyper efficient, eight of nine with touchdowns. And the other guy getting there with a you know 42-yard catch, getting all the targets, going close to 200 yards, absolutely face-melting. And they have nobody else. We even talked about the double stacks of Waddle with Gusecki, and then Gusecki gave you the 12 fantasy points. So he's much better value than an Ertz, for example. So just, oh man, so cool. This is a great, wow. Looking at this, wow. And hope for the future, right? So you had great production in this game but also hope for the future in that St. Brown hogged all the targets, didn't necessarily put up a big fantasy number, like 14 fantasy points, 13 fantasy points. Okay, but for the future, he's back. So I'm very excited to play St. Brown in the future, to trade for him. He's clearly probably mostly healthy now. So it's just it's incredible. I'm, I'm excited to see the, the route participation data on Mostert and Edmonds this week. If Mostert's continuing to, to run all the routes, we can go back to Mostert next week as well because he didn't catch any passes. He only caught one pass. But I think he has some some pass-catching games in his future. But we got to go to this. We got to go to this Jalen Waddle clip. You got to see this. You got to see it. This is amazing. This is why Miami traded for, for Tyreek Hill. This is exactly... You want to know why they did the trade? You want to know why they were pounding the table? Why they were giving up first-round picks like backing the truck up like the Chiefs are contenders the Chiefs are trying to win a Super Bowl and they traded one of their signature playmakers that never happens that is so rare I mean I I asked the chat please go back into the time portal years and pull for me the last time a team traded a playmaker like Tyreek Hill at the peak of their powers 
at the peak of his powers, the peak of everybody's powers, except Andy Reid. Andy Reid's no longer not his peak. So rare, right? So rare. This is why. To a looking deep, he's got a man. Touchdown, number two for Waddle. That's why he traded for Tyreek. The Waddle, right there. The Penguin. You love the Penguin, but no, no. Let's actually go to the moment. Right there. That's the reason. So if you look at the All 22 tape, you could see what's happening. That Waddle is coming up around and behind Hill. Hill is sliding underneath, and then Waddle is getting lost behind Hill, and they're like, well, where's Waddle? We don't see him. We got to make sure we all gravitate and converge on Hill, and then Waddle leaks out from behind and then just runs the go. Essentially, he ran something like a, it was like a wheel route. It was similar to a wheel route that he runs, and then there he goes, and you can see at this moment, this is the best freeze frame I'm ever going to give you in the history of this show. This is the best freeze frame no one is ever, 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 ever going to see from me. I can't do a better freeze. I mean, I just, I just hit the, I just hit the, the pause button at this very moment. You're not going to see anything better than this because look at Tua. Look at, look at Tua. He's not looking at Hill at all. He knows they're all going converging on Hill, and he's already winding up. He already has that. It's very similar to that anticipation throw he did at Alabama to Devontae Smith to win the national championship. It was a very simple. Look at this. Just a oh, just the same. Look at the. I mean, carbon copy except the celebration. The cell. Oh, the celebration. We've only been talking about this principle for how long? That certain wide receivers are more valuable than the sum of their parts. More valuable than their fantasy point production. Why you want to go get a field stretcher that commands the respect of the defense? That's why right there. That freeze frame is why they went and traded whatever it took. How many draft picks, right? Think about the draft picks they sent to the Chiefs. How many of those draft picks are going to need to make how many plays to create the value that they're getting from Tyreek Hill right now? It's amazing. It's amazing. And it's it's also the convergence of the coach knowing how to use them. So you have all these new coaches, right? New coaches coming, Eberfluss and Nathaniel Hackett and all these incompetent coaches coming into the league as head coaches for the first time. And then you've got this guy, Mike McDaniel, who actually knows exactly what to do. And, and actually, you never know. It must be that NFL teams stink at interviewing and don't know what questions to ask and don't know how to source talent. There has to be a way during the interview process that you can understand whether or not a coach has that Mike McDaniel level competency or not, right? They're, they're not asking the right questions. I, I don't think that many in the executive chair know what questions to ask. And so they're just sort of going off feel and rumors and innuendo about a particular coach's competence, what they've heard from other people. So it's like they're playing telephone and, and trying to guess at a coach's abilities because they really don't know how to evaluate them. Like there should have been a, a bidding war on McDaniel and Hackett's not going to make it to the end of the season. So probably, maybe. Hackett's not going to make it to the end of the season. So, probably, maybe. I'm exhausted. That was a great party we had for Pollard. It's all happening. The uh, DFS advice we gave was amazing. Waddle and Hill are absolutely incredible together. If you're a Dolphins fan, you're very happy. It's a very exciting time. I'm very happy to see Mac Jones winning the game against a division rival. He's back. Ramadre Stevenson. If you're wondering why Ramadre Stevenson is so high in the dynasty rankings, well, now you now you know. If you were wondering, how do you get up so high, Ramadre Stevenson? Uh, well, go go check out just check out the box score. You don't even don't need, you need to watch the game. You don't need to break down the film like I'm breaking it down. 
No, you just uh, just just look at the stats. Just look at the high level stats. That's it. You know, the target leader. Well, not the target leader. Slow down. That was Jacoby Myers. Whoa, whoa. Receptions leader though. No, yardage leader. Yes, he was the receiving leader for the Patriots. Myers was getting everything else, which is amazing. It, it, so that's the thing, right? Zappy is happy to spread it around to Parker and Thornton. Mac Jones really has his eye on one guy. It's Jacoby Myers, and then if no Myers, Stevenson. Myers, Stevenson, Myers, Stevenson. So that's consolidated target distribution in New England, and it just shows once again an important takeaway. Whoever is getting those 40% of carries that the primary back is not getting does not matter. It doesn't matter. If anyone is arguing that you should draft player X over player Y because of these 20% additional carries they're getting, the carry distribution, remember that was the reason not to draft Nick Chubb, right? Oh, he's not getting enough carries. The carry distribution, oh no, right? Those extra 20% of carries that the true bell cows get versus those that are just super productive in these specialist backfields doesn't much matter. Doesn't much matter. That was one of the reasons why you weren't well, it's not so sure about drafting Austin Eckler. Ooh, maybe, maybe go Henry or Cook over Eckler, because you know that it's the carry distribution. He's not getting enough of the carries. Ooh, the carries! It doesn't matter. Go look at that Patriots box score from week eight, and you tell me whether Stevenson needed some of those Harris carries or not. If anything, those Harris carries are helping keep Stevenson on the field and playing in more games at a higher level. Let Harris have those 40% of carries. Who cares? Don't fall for these arguments. He's got to get 80% of the carries to be a bell cow, right? If that were true, then you would have been drafting Fournette over Eckler, and that just would have been a really bad decision. Why? Because Eckler is more explosive on the ground and through the air. And on the same number of touches, he's going to get you 30 fantasy points when Fournette gets you 22. And then that can make the difference between winning and losing. Now, no one was drafting Fournette over Eckler, but just be careful about the arguments for and against certain running backs. It doesn't matter if Ezekiel Elliott is getting even 50% of the carries. I, I don't care. It's all about Tony Pollard. Yeah. Right there. The Penguin. You love the Penguin. But no, no. Let's actually go to the moment right there. That's the reason. I mean, all these NFL owners are pathological liars, and yet he is the owner the other owners look to to deliver the big lie. Back in my day, there was a team called the Buffalo Bills, and they were in the Super Bowl every year. Right there! That's the reason! Tony Pollard, you're the best.